Diffuser. Everybody stand by. And action. The home of alternative and independent rock and roll. Diffuser is the place where music fans come to talk. Join the conversation. This is Diffuser Radio. Diffuser Radio. This is Chuck Armstrong. I am the editor-in-chief of Diffuser. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, This marks the fourth episode of Diffuser Radio of this official podcast. And in this episode, we chat with Janet Devlin, just an amazing singer-songwriter from Ireland. Uh, She recently swung by New York City, and we caught up about her latest album, about what's going on in her world, and I I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. But first... Uh, We jump into the roundtable, and this episode's roundtable is focused 100% on a little thing called Record Store Day. You're listening to Diffuser, where we don't just cover the news, we are the news. This is the Diffuser Roundtable. Uh, Record Store Day is one of my favorite holidays of the year. Uh, I always uh, participate, and I've I've got a lot of uh, fond memories of it. Uh, But I know that's not necessarily the case across the board. And if you've gone to Diffuser recently, you've seen that uh, specifically uh, record stores and some execs in the UK uh, have quite a bit of disdain for Record Store Day. And so what I wanted to do was uh, compile a nice roundtable and have a discussion about the holiday, about its viability, about... Uh, its impact, how it's grown from, I believe it kicked off in 2007, so how it's grown eight years ago to what it is today uh, and what the future might look like. And so uh, very excited for this uh, roundtable discussion. Depending on when you're downloading and listening to this, uh, Record Store Day is probably a few days away or it might have already happened and you've already uh, bought everything you needed and you're already listening to all the music. So that's fantastic. We can gear up for Black Friday Record Store Day in that case. Uh, So first up on this roundtable, we have got Chris Kissel. Hey guys, uh, Chris here. I am calling in from Brooklyn, New York. And after that, we've got Mr. James Stafford. Hey there, calling from uh, drought-ridden California. All right, and uh, I wish I could send some water your way, but I can't. (laughs) And uh, then we've got Jeff Giles rounding out uh, this roundtable. Hey, guys, calling in from snowy Keene, New Hampshire. All right, thank you, guys. And uh, I am sitting on the west side of New York City, um, staring at a shelf full of records, some of which actually came from uh, Record Store Day purchases. Um, and so, you, you know, guys, you've, you've seen some of the stories recently. There's been, uh, seems to be with each record store day, each Black Friday, there seems to be more and more discussion about the holiday, about major labels jumping in, about record stores pulling out, uh, and kind of this, uh, you know, just what's happening with this holiday. So I'm curious uh, for you guys who are very deep in the music world as fans, as writers, um, what your take is on record store day. So, you know, before we get into kind of just the broader topic of this, uh, I'm curious if each of you could share your own personal accounts of record store day. You know, do you participate? Do, is that the day that you stay away from your local record store? Um, Chris, can we, can we start with you? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't really like to participate because I don't really like a lot of crowds. Uh, I don't like being in big crowds of people. So, and usually one of the things I enjoy about being in my record store is that, you know, it's me and like a, a few other um, folks just looking through records. So it's not my favorite day to be in my record store. Um, but I do find that a few of the releases are things that I would like to own. So usually what I'll do is I will 
uh, pay a friend like you <laughs> to go for me and pick up one or two things. Uh, and I have nice friends who are willing to do that for me. So um, I enjoy partaking, but I don't like to personally partake. That's fair enough. Um, and James, how about you? Actually, uh, if you're listening to this, which uh, James actually wrote, um, he kind of took a stance called Record Store Tomorrow. Uh, and so I'm guessing, James, that's kind of where you fall when it comes to Record Store Day. That uh, How about you just, just explain this concept of Record Store Tomorrow? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm a lot like Chris. I kind of turn into Rain Man around crowds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I start I start rocking and mumbling to myself, and if I had hair, I'd be pulling it out. So, um, you know, I, I really can't I can't cope with the uh, the the big mass of people that crowd into my local record store on Record Store Day. So, I usually go the day after, and and um, you know, as a collector, that's that's a, a bit of an issue in that I don't get the prime cuts, right? But honestly, those prime cuts are normal are these days going to the speculators anyway, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that here in this podcast. Um, but I still get a chance. I still get a chance to participate. I'm just participating um, without the big crowd. You know, there's there's always stuff left over. There's always good stuff, and you know, if your tastes are esoteric enough, you always find something the day after anyway. Absolutely. And uh, Jeff, how about you? Well, I don't really have a problem with crowds per se, but I, I think that this whole thing, everything that you guys are talking about really, it, it underscores how I think record store day runs counter to the reason that most people go to record stores in the first place, which is that it, you get to browse, you know, you, you can spend time. I was talking about this with Chuck this morning and, and described it as a, a level of Zen, you know, that you achieve when you're kind of grazing in the bins. That's why people go to record stores. That's why record stores matter. Uh, that's why they're, that's why a lot of people think they're better than, than buying online. And that whole part of the experience is wiped out on record store day. And I even, you don't have to not like crowds to not really look forward to standing in line outside a record store and have to elbow your way past a bunch of strangers to get, some limited run seven inch, you know, so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I don't go out for it either. Well, I am on the other spectrum of the three of you guys. <laughs> and, uh, I, I love record store day. Uh, I love everything about it. I get excited when the, when the list of releases comes out and I start, I've already kind of highlighted some things that I've, I've wanted and, and whittling the list down. Uh, so I don't blow all my money. Um, and actually, for the last few years, I've been that guy who shows up at four, five o'clock in the morning uh, wow. at the record store, and I've never been the first one. <laughs> uh, wow. And so, um, you know, I camp out, and just just like people, you know, just like the people who I think are crazy on Black Friday at Best Buy or Target <laughs> do, um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm not crazy doing this at a record store. Um, and yeah. I... You have to camp out though, because Kissel's counting on you. Well, He's that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I paid you, man. You have my money in your, in your wallet. That's exactly right. Um, and but you know, I think I think there's actually it's interesting because I years ago I haven't done it for a while. I've I've done the Black Friday, you know, Best Buy thing, and it's a different crowd uh, than the guys and gals who line up outside of uh the record store you know i go to rough trade in brooklyn and i've done generation records in the village uh, here in the city 
And it's a different crowd. It's not people lining up for that $250 big screen. It's everybody's kind of in the exact same boat. They all love music so much so that they're showing up early, uh, you know, before the sun rises um, to their favorite record store to try to get their hands on that seven inch or on that box set or on that book or DVD or cassette tape, you know, whatever the specials are. And so I found it, I found that's actually for me part of the experience because yeah, once you get in the record store, once they open the doors and however, you know, your local record store does it rough trade, they kind of let in just a handful of people at a time. So it's not too crazy. Um, and I believe, you know, Generation Records, they they put you in a line and they just kind of go one by one. So it's actually a fairly lengthy process. Um, but, you know, like the actual art, actual act of shopping on record store day is is a. Uh, kind of, I don't know, it's almost second to standing in line and talking to these people and seeing what they're excited about and, you know, all kind of congregating outside of your favorite record store. You know, I, I really like that. Uh, it reminds me of the the um, pre-internet days of, of waiting oh. in line for concert tickets. And it was almost like a, a pre-game. You know, everybody's all psyched about the show, even though the show's only uh, three months away or whatever, but we're all there for the same reason and we're all just you know, cranked about, about, uh, waiting in line for, for our show tickets. So that's, that's pretty cool. I, I, I'm definitely going to put that down in the plus column for record store. <laughs> yeah. There, there's this kind of common mindset, um, that, that everybody seems to have. Now, as far as, so let's kind of take your personal, you know, stance, your, your own opinion on record store day and put it to the side and see if you can take a step back and look at this from a, industry perspective. In our last episode, our last roundtable, we talked about uh, the physical product, uh, the physical side of music, what the future of the business looks like as far as CDs and vinyl go um, and cassette tapes. Um, but, you know, so, so I'm curious what you guys think as journalists, as fans, as consumers, um, how important you think Record Store Day is to the business side of your local record store. Uh, James, you know, let's, let's start with you. Oh, I think I think it's huge. Um, you know, I think prior to the inception of Record Store Day, um, you know, you've got the 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 co- the collectors, the geeks like me, for example, who obviously know where all the record stores are in town. But for the average person, they'd long forgotten that record stores even existed. You know, they were just kind of buggy whips at this point. <laughs> so. You know that that notion of record store day. It, it's it's really kind of it's it's broken out of the bubble of just the record collectors. It's kind of become a bit of a pop culture phenomenon, and uh, I think that's that that's really important. I think it's it's driving a lot of traffic into the stores now. Whether that traffic has uh, year-round longevity, I don't know, but it, it still it raises awareness that record stores are still out there, and and that's a a very important thing. Yeah, that's that's definitely not a bad thing. Jeff, how about you? Do you have a uh kind of a stance on this, you know, I guess more of an objective stance. I love that it exists and I love your description of hanging out on the street with those folks. I think it, it's more like going to church than it is going to the record store at that point. Um, hmm. and, and I think, uh, I mean, I've talked about record store day with the, the folks who run the location of the turn it up chain that's in my town. And I don't know if it's because I'm in a college town or it's just a different, different, uh, demographic or what, but, those guys claim that record store day is not a big part of their year round bottom line. And, and I think before it started to take off, they actually were seeing 
I, I might be quoting incorrectly here, but I think they were seeing more of their money from like used cassette sales than they were from anything like Record Store Day. And I think they have to be very uh, choosy about which of the titles they buy too, because um, you know it's it's a significant outlay to try and have that stuff in stock. Um, so I get I don't know I guess it, it depends on the on the on the chain, but. I love that it exists, even if I'm not willing to uh, but plunge into the sea of humanity <laughs> to be part of it on the day that it happens. No, that's I think that's a, I think that's probably a healthy uh, outlook as far as you know. It, it I do think it's good that ex- it exists too, whether you partake or not. Um, I mean, Chris, do you agree with that? Is that is that something we're all consensus on that whether you hate crowds or whether you love standing outside at four in the morning that record store days a, a good thing you know i guess the idea of it's a good thing i don't think record store day itself is is it's definitely not negative i don't think it's a hundred percent positive but i don't think it's it's not hurting anyone so i would agree um you know you bring people in the door one day uh, one day out of the year you know maybe 70 percent of those people won't set foot in a record store otherwise you know, if one percent of the of those seventy percent come to the record store in a few days, then it, you know it wasn't all for naught. It didn't it didn't change your bottom line, but it didn't hurt. Um, the only thing that I would add is I think it has gotten a little bloated to the point where small and or to, you know to the point where bigger and and middle sized record stores I think are still um, enjoying it. But it, you know I think there's a there's a little bit, a bit of a distribution problem with some of the smaller record stores that just don't order in the quantities that some of the bigger record stores do. Um, and we talked earlier, uh, not on this podcast, but we talked earlier about this guy, Pete Golias, who owns this Blue Arrow record store in Cleveland. And he's decided not to do record store day this year because he can't get his shipments on time because his store is so small. Um, but what I think he's done is really interesting uh, he's basically gone to some local artists that he has connections with and said, can you give me a few records that I can give away for free on Record Store Day? So basically, he's given people a different incentive to go to his record store on Record Store Day. Uh, and I think it's just as interesting, and I think it may actually say more about his record store than participating in Record Store Day would. So I think what, what, I, I think what we're seeing is that Record Store Day has gotten a little big, but it's cool to see that some record store owners are improvising and kind of picking up the stick when they're not, you know, when they're kind of getting shorted on the distribution end. Yeah. And another record store that uh, comes to mind that I've seen kind of float across social media is uh, vinyl conflict in Richmond, Virginia. And I don't know the reason, quite the reason why they've decided to pull out this year, but they're doing a sort of the same thing as, uh, as blue arrow in the sense that they're doing this customer appreciation day um, where they're not, going to have record store day exclusives but he bought a pallet the, the owner of this record store bought a pallet of punk and hardcore seven inches and they're all going to be like two bucks a piece and so you know it's it's sort of okay we don't have the rsd list but we've got these own specials and we're going to do these giveaways and, and and things like that to you know show our appreciation for the customers and i'm guessing you know he'll still have a line of people waiting to get in uh because he's catering to his customers and he's building a similar experience that record store day attempts to build and does build in certain instances 
Well, that's it's more like uh, what comic book stores do on uh, comic book. What, what is it? Free comic book day? What do they call it? The, yeah, that's the, that's right. Yeah. So instead of of these exclusives that people complain about the prices being artificially inflated or, or the the titles being traded on eBay before the record store owners even get their hands on the copies, uh, you know, instead of doing that, they put out free product to lure people into the door. And either way, you probably suffer a same a, a similar level of attrition between the the foot traffic that you have on that one day and the and the traffic that you see the rest of the year, but. It's a different, it's a different vibe. You know, I really like the way that the the, um, the record stores kind of personalize record store day. I mean, I think we all we all tend to focus on on the the uh, record store day one offs. You know, the the rarities yeah. that come out. But you know, this notion of of bringing in local acts, etc., is is really cool. My local record store, they do a um, or one of my local record stores, they do a. Uh, um, like a, a record swap meet out in the parking lot during that day. So hmm. not only do you have what's going on inside the store, but you have this kind of cool event going on out in the parking lot too. So, Yeah, and even, you know, like last year, Third Man Records, which obviously is its own beast, um, <laughs> uh, did, you know, they basically did their own thing last year and uh, Jack White cut the world's fastest 7-inch. Fastest and if you had the golden ticket, you got to come to the show, watch him play a couple songs. He carted the tapes off to United Record Pressing. They cut the 7-inch. He brought them back. And anybody who was at Third Man Records had the opportunity to buy one. Uh, and you, it, was, it was limited one per person. Uh, and obviously, some popped up on eBay immediately for like $1,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, record stores definitely, um, even as big as Record Store Day is, record stores still kind of create their own experience with in-store performances and free food or, or whatever, you know, I've seen it, uh, Mills record company in Kansas city does a really good job. And I know, you know, there's a number of stores that probably do this, um, where they involve the entire community. And so they've got free donuts from this coffee shop and they've got co- free coffee from this donut shop. I think I got that mixed up. Um, and they've got uh, local bands playing in the parking lot and they've got this local artist making, you know, tote bags on the sidewalk and things like that. And so, um, it is all about this experience. Um, it, it seems like as Record Store Day has grown into this mammoth, a lot of record stores have grown with it in their understanding of it and their willingness to create their own experience. And I think with that, we're coming up on the end of this roundtable. I know the four of us could chat all day about record stores and vinyl and RSD. Uh, and if you're looking for more on this discussion, make sure to go to diffuser.fm. We do everything we can to keep uh, keep you up to date with the latest RSD and vinyl news. And we even have a few columns written by Chris Brown of Bull Moose, a chain of shops in New England. And uh, he actually came up with the idea of Record Store Day back in 2007. So with that, thank you guys, as always, for a great conversation. My name is Chuck Armstrong, Chris Kissel, James Stafford, Jeff Giles. I can't wait for our next roundtable. This is Diffuser, hosted by Editor-in-Chief Chuck Armstrong. Very excited to be hanging out with Janet Devlin here in New York City. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out, Janet. No, thank you for having me, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, how often do you make it to New York? I, I'm i really surprised I'm back so fast. I just was here about two weeks ago, 
uh, and I didn't know if I'd be back. I thought I'd come back in the summer or something, but yeah. like, yeah, I got a phone call, come back over. I was like, yeah, of course. That's a good sign, right? <laughs> it is a good sign. I hope I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I'd be on the plane anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Running With Scissors uh, came out in the UK a year ago. Yeah. But then just in the States earlier this year. Yeah, it came out um, on the 9th of June in the UK, and it just came out here uh, on the 10th of February. What's the response been like so far? Very positive over here. Yeah. Um, it's it's really, I think I've only read one negative review, uh, and it was actually more hilarious than I, because <laughs> it wasn't even a legit review almost. Yeah. Um, so much that it just made me giggle and I kind of <laughs> needed it so uh, like just all the all the reviews I've read have blown me away with how positive they've been so. do you notice a difference in the press uh, or interviews in the states compared to uh, Europe yes like so so different like um, they all want to just talk about one certain thing and they they don't they've obviously never like they don't really do some of them don't do their homework at all and they 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 don't even know that I've written the album <laughs> and like <laughs> I don't know it's a bit weird and like over here like just the positivity and everyone does their homework and it's like so refreshing yeah so so refreshing and then how about fans like I know you you haven't been in the states that long have you played over here I did a gig on my last trip um which was I was just surprised I thought like five people were going to call my and it was just going to be more like a showcase kind of thing because I yeah. really didn't give them much time I think I gave them like two weeks notice if even <laughs> and uh, I was like okay this is going to be weird but um, lots of people came out it was pretty packed and it was so great <laughs> so much fun yeah and the fans do you notice they're more positive here too or or is that about the same I do, it's hard to judge because I've I've done two tours now in the UK yeah. and I'd never played here before in the States um, and a lot of people had wanted to meet me for like three years or whatever um, so they were excited because they'd never met me before right so I, I was just like oh, wow nice to meet you <laughs> I felt like a puppy it was just so much fun so Running With Scissors is your second album kind of kind of so the first album Hide and Seek you did with Pledge Music yeah. But well, I did both of them with Pledge Music, funnily enough. Okay. Uh, they both came out under the Pledge, but it was... <laughs> I, I only released one album. Hide and Seek was... Um, uh, I never released it uh, because... Uh, luckily enough, right, I was switching, I was switching <laughs> management uh, and they sat me down. You know, we're still getting to know each other. We'd only, you know, spoken a couple of times. They sat me down and they asked me, uh, what do you think of your album? <laughs> and I had to tell them that I didn't like it. And what didn't you like about it? The sound, because it was all, it was recorded really weird where it was like, do you like this bass sound? Do you like this drum sound? And it was all done in such snippets that I just managed, I just hmm. got the final product then at the end and was like, whoa, this isn't what I imagined my first album was sounding like. And you only get one chance at a first album. Yeah. So... Thankfully, my management didn't kick me out of their <laughs> office and go, we're not signing you. They, we, we seen the date because we, oh, we had to release it on a certain date. And uh, we went in and six weeks we made Run of My Scissors. 
And so you recorded that differently, probably, right? You didn't do the snippets. <laughs> no, we didn't do the snippets. Like, gosh, no, I had two really, really great producers, Graham yeah. Police and Limac, and they were just amazing and great to work with. So. Yeah, and you knocked that out in six weeks. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, That's <I> fast. <laughs> it, was, it was intense, but it was good because it already made the first one, so I needed it almost to be that intense and that, yeah. that quick, so we could all just zone in and then finish. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's a completely different experience, but it sounds like that's what... It you needed, wanted, or yeah, you needed, it needed yeah. to happen, yeah. So it's got to be weird, I assume, uh, as an artist, to release an album in 2014 and then release the same album on the other side of the world in 2015. Yeah, it, it is. It's it is strange because I've you know I released the album and I did a tour and I did all all the things you do whenever you make music <laughs> <laughs> and to do the whole cycle uh, and then come over here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's good because, like, I've already, like, it's great to hear other people's opinions of the album and things as well, which is awesome, and people actually listen to it, uh, <laughs> which is good. Um, but it's it's exciting, and it's good because I already kind of know my songs because yeah. I toured them. So I feel like I'm kind of cheating because it's <laughs> like I've answered a lot of the same questions that I've, I've played all the songs before, so I'm, I'm so cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's that's how it that's how it goes. Is this when you release an album? Is it something where you're like, it's out and you kind of distance yourself from it, or do you still consume it and still think about it and reflect on it? Uh, it's different for for me because like we made like we make it and then you get it before everyone else does. So I remember driving away from Abbey Road with like the album on in the car and that was me properly digesting it and then I listened to it a couple more times and then kind of put it away. Uh, and waited for other people to get it. Yeah. And because uh, I'd then already developed them, my opinion of it, and I just wanted to see what they said. So. <laughs> and then it comes out in the states, you know, eight months later, and you have to mm-hmm. go through it all again. Yeah, I had to. I did have to listen to this album yeah. before I came over here because I was like, someone had asked me a question about one of the songs in particular, and I was like, oh gosh, I forgot. <laughs> like, so I, I just it was great because it, I forgot that I, you know that. The album's actually all right, and it's yeah. a good album, in like my opinion. You know, I mean, I have to like it. It's mine, you know. Uh, it's like my, my music baby, so it's it's been great. You know, I think it's safe to say, um, as a young artist, you've had a lot of experiences in a short amount of time. Mm. You were maybe you can call it an early adopter of crowdfunding. Yeah. That now in 2015, everybody's doing it, from Weezer to, you know, a band starting out of their parents' garage. It seems like everybody. Uh, everybody has the ability to crowdfund, whether it's successful or not. Which is the good thing about crowdfunding. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're big or small, you can still do it. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, I did it like three years ago, which doesn't seem like a long time. But in the space of time that crowdfunding's taken off, it was because right. I had to explain to so many people what, you know, pledge music was. Yeah. Um, they were like, but, but like, when, but you don't have the album, and it's like, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> use the money to make the album, but like what <laughs> but now everyone knows what it is and yeah. i think that's a good thing so everyone actually understands yeah. it so well i think from a fan's perspective too once you understand it um it's it's such a cool experience because if i like you and i want to buy your album i'm gonna go to the record store and buy it mm-hmm. but how cool is it for me to get in on it before it's even there it and i can be amazing, part of that i've done it i've done yeah. it for fans that i really <laughs> yeah. really like and it's so exciting because you know you get your updates and you get to see what they're doing but 
also it's so exciting waiting on that, that post day right where you actually get your stuff yeah absolutely and you can follow along throughout the whole process yeah because you get like this little insight into yeah. what's going on you do like pledge only updates and stuff and they, right. only they can see these little videos and things which yeah. is really cool so it's definitely like a, a, an inside seat and you do feel like you're a part of something yeah definitely like some secret little club <laughs> And then the other part of your career, which I would say is uh, significantly more unique compared to other artists, mm-hmm. is your TV background yeah. with the X Factor. <laughs> what? How has that shaped you creatively uh, as an artist? It's quite hard because I was always a, like a singer-songwriter. I started on YouTube, actually, and I had about 15,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. But um, I suppose anyone that's ever actually seen the show, I was really shy. But it was because, you know, you don't have to sing to anyone if you just put your little camera up, you know. Uh, so TV kind of shaped me because it it was just this really intense thing. I went from never really doing any live gigs to performing in front of millions. Yeah, that's know? true. It kind of just threw you to the deep end and yeah. sink or swim. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it was it's good. Uh, it's, it's funny, though, because a lot of artists and things like have little TV experience you know yeah. whereas I've quite little gig experience to be honest <laughs> so like for me doing a gig is really really scary and TV's really you know I obviously still get really really nervous for TV but I sure. kind of understand how the TV things work uh, whereas most people are the other way around they understand how the gig works and right like, yeah well, what, is, what, what do you mean TV yeah. <laughs> you know so it's do you get tired of people asking you like oh what was the x-factor like or anything like that it's just mo- mostly in the uk that's all they really care about i've, I've done <laughs> interviews where they've just talked like, but it's funny because it's so long ago so it's right. like they want gossip from like three years ago and you're like <laughs> really i did an interview once where all they asked me about was x-factor and then damn went oh so how's it feel to have made an album i was like oh my god <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I made an album. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that's what we were talking about here. <laughs> and, you know, throughout that time, too, like, again, your your career, I think, is just starting off. I think that's safe to say. But within that time, you've experienced a lot of changes within the industry. You know, not you specifically, but just the, the world changed. in itself. Yeah, Yeah, the industry's completely changed. And some people, it is that whole sink or swim thing right now where right. you can either go with the tide or you can just draw in. Because, like, you know, you've got your Spotify, you've got your YouTube, and you've got, like, all of these platforms that didn't exist years ago, like the Pledge Musics and stuff like that as yeah. well. So it's all just changing. Yeah. Like, and how we purchase music and how we perceive music is is changing. You've just got to learn to adapt. Like, I do these things called Stage It shows recently where um, you do an online gig. So it's a gig on the Internet that people buy their ticket. Wow. on the internet uh, and they're really really cool so it, it is totally the industry's yeah. completely changing yeah that didn't exist a year ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah. and then even in like in the last few years you've seen even though it's still a very small portion of the business you've seen the resurgence of vinyl mm-hmm. um, I think last year in the states the music business as a whole was down but vinyl sales were up Mm-hmm. Um, it, it a fraction. No, I think. Oh no, the, maybe the UK doubled. Yeah, yeah, it was huge, huge in the UK too. Yeah. Um, like halfway through the year, it was huge. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, a fraction of the business. But it's still interesting that that is a bright spot. Yeah. Uh, so even as big as Spotify gets and YouTube gets, and they're huge, mm-hmm. uh, people still clamor for that physical product. Yeah, but everything's kind of coming back in the weirdest way. It's like, eventually, we'll get to CDs again. 
but uh, <laughs> people are buying vinyl. But yeah. some people are getting back into tape. Right, I know. Yeah, mm. we've been talking about cassettes on on diffuser or some. Yeah, so I mean, which is weird <laughs> to me. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, I'm just to sit here with my fingers crossed, but buy a CD. Yeah. Get back into CDs. <laughs> like buy a Walkman or something. I don't know. <laughs> but you yourself, you're a fan of vinyl. I am a fan awesome. of vinyl. Yeah, I I have quite a lot. I mean, I got my dad's collection, which is really weird. Because it goes from my music to like the Bee Gees and stuff, uh, and Rod Stewart. Although in fairness, I do have a sweet spot for Rod Stewart, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I feel like that's how a lot of people, um, you know, like in this day and age, get into vinyl. Is it's kind of a nostalgic thing with their parents, maybe. Yeah, that, and I think it just became cool. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is a cool thing now. Yeah, like uh, thanks hipsters, thanks for bringing that back. <laughs> but uh, like, I mean, I like I like vinyl because it's big. And, you know, you get to read the inside of these albums yeah. and, and everything's huge, yeah. which is really cool. And most of them come with free posters, which is also a bonus. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and, you know, I think, I, th I honestly think a big part of the resurgence is the fact that uh, labels and bands offer a digital download with it. Because yeah. it's like the best of both worlds. You own this physical product. Even if you don't have a turntable, you would still be attracted to it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I love I love vinyl. I love going through my dad's collection too. So yeah, um, I kind of so judge him though sometimes. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, I cut him some slack though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. the weirdest thing you found in it? Oh God! Well, actually, he's got one of like the really old knives. Oh really? Yeah. Like no, I don't know what the number was, but I remember just going, I didn't. I didn't wow, that's a really old one. Um, <laughs> Shawadi Wadi. My dad got me into shawadi wadi. Why would you do that, Dad? Yeah. Uh, like just all it, that that kind of music. So. So you've got the album out in the states. Mm -hmm. Still enjoying it in the UK. Running with scissors. Um, have you started thinking about the follow up to that? Yes. Do you hate that question? No, I love it. I love, especially when fans ask it. Although it, sometimes you're like, I'm trying. It is cool <laughs> that people have an interest and they want to hear what you've got next. Yeah. So, you know, I'm still writing. I've got my, I still carry my books with me everywhere. Like, and, and this trip to New York, like, um, anytime I get some time off during the day, I'm writing uh, with my guitar player. Uh, but we're writing Christmas songs at the minute, which is very strange. <laughs> so maybe there might be something coming out around Christmas. Christmas in March, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely need to start working on album number two. I'm just rearing to get that started. So yeah. Like, I really want to do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm sure your fans will be ready for that. I hope so. <laughs> and hopefully uh, when it comes out or well before, you can make your way back to the States for a full-blown tour. I would love that. Yeah. Come on, visa. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Janet. Uh, Janet Devlin, pleasure talking to you. Uh, I'm glad that you made it back to New York, and hopefully you can uh, make it back again. I hope so. Thanks awesome. for having me. And that wraps up another episode of Diffuser Radio. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out. As always, please subscribe to Diffuser Radio on iTunes and tell your friends about this. And if there's anything you want us to talk about in the roundtable, any specific issue or topic or anything like that, uh, let us know. You can email us at staff at diffuser.fm. You can find us on Twitter, diffuser.fm. And you can find us on Facebook, just diffuser. And uh, let us know. Let us know what topic you want us to hit on the next roundtable. And if there's someone out there that you want us to, to interview uh, and feature on an episode of Diffuser Radio, 
let us know. But as always, guys, thank you so much for downloading. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Diffuser Radio. Make sure you stay up to date with everything happening in the world of alternative and indie rock at diffuser.fm. Until next time, don't follow the leaders. Watch the parking meters. Come on.